1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery, and um, just uh, coming back to you guys uh, tonight uh, with a kind of different episode. Uh, Susie is um, uh, running around this weekend. I'm hoping she might stop in, but if not, uh, we wish her good luck and uh, we'll hear from her next week uh, on the next show. But uh, tonight, I'm uh, pleased to welcome another uh, member of the PNF family, Mr. Big Daddy John Rapp from the Rust of Hook podcast. Welcome to the new show again, John. Thanks, brother. Now, glad how's be, it going? Glad to, glad to be here. Going well. Beautiful Sunday afternoon here. Absolutely. In the great state of West Virginia, brother. Just just uh, a little few few hours south of you. So. Yeah. Um, how many uh, are, uh, are uh, do you got any plans for Labor Day tomorrow? I'll probably go fishing. Beth has <laughs> to work. Ah. Well, there you go. There you go. That sounds like good, good enough plans to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I figured I would um, uh, hop on and with you. And um, I know I have some exciting news. I finally uh, got my first uh, big or well, any kind of kayak tournament win. I've been pretty close uh, um, a couple of times, but uh, finally on Saturday, I was able to uh, pull off a, a first place finish. So um I uh, wanted to chat a little bit about that, but uh, anything else going on in your neck of the woods? No, man. No, man. So I'll, I'll play interview for you here, brother. So you <laughs> fished in Susquehanna. You fished Correct. a tournament with the kayak anglers up kayak anglers of Pennsylvania, your chapter up there. Yep, so, my fellow kayak anglers of Central PA. It's the the chapter that I'm the uh, one of the co-directors uh, for, so and uh it's the one event that's in my backyard so if, if there is an event i should do well in it's probably this one so you had the home hometown advantage you took 
took full advantage of. I did. So tell, I did. So and... tell us. So tell us about your setup, what you took out on the water, and what you started with, and how you finished. Uh, yeah, that's a definitely a, some good questions. Um, I went out with a bunch of stuff. You know, if, you, if anybody's ever fished with me, they know I take pretty much everything in the kitchen sink. And um, so um, uh, I had pre-fished a little bit uh, the Thursday before I went out, caught a lot of um, smaller bass and um, basically using the Ned rig. We had a, the water level had jumped uh, Thursday and Friday uh, due to some storms some uh, further north on the Susquehanna. So the, the, the levels had jumped from basically 25,000 cubic feet per minute up to 45,000, which still isn't as fast. It, it's still paddleable, um, but it, it definitely changes the river for sure. And, and I basically, so I pre-fished the rise because that's usually when it's really good. And I, I did pretty well on the Ned rig. And um, I also did really well on a, on a jackhammer, the uh, Golden Shiner jackhammer. Uh, I, when I put in for practice at the ramp, a gentleman's had mentioned, hey, I was up by the bridge throwing, you know, the Golden Shiner jackhammer and did OK. So um, in practice, I actually went up and caught a few on that. I, again, my biggest fish in practice was only 15 inches, though. So I and I had a lot of dinks again. But, so, okay, um, so so we know you were throwing uh, those two type of baits. So tell us about your setups. Were you throwing bait casters, heavy heavy mediums? What what are your line and your uh, your uh, pole your your rods types? So on my Ned rig, I throw on spinning gear. Um, I usually throw it. Uh, I have a um, uh, Saint Croix Mojo Yak rod. I like the Mojo or the Yak yeah. rods because the butts are a little bit shorter. Right. And I don't feel like it's always hit me in my side when I cast and stuff. So, and it, and that's a, uh, I think like a seven foot um, uh, medium light ultra fast tip. I really like that for the Ned rig because it really lets you just pick up anytime anything even nibbles on that. And the same it. rods. Okay, gotcha. And um, exactly where you come. So that's that's my uh, Ned rig rod, and and I'm actually um, talking to um, you know Brian about replacing that rod with a, a Douglas version of that um, because I actually broke the the tip off of it uh, earlier in the season uh, from the first or from the top eyelet down to the first one. I ended up to, or the next eyelet, and I ended up just cutting it right at that. Uh, right. So basically turned that second eyelet into the top eyelet and I've been using it like that. I kind of filed off the very, the, the tip just so it wouldn't cut my line or anything. And I've been using it like that pretty much all season. Cause it, I'm still waiting for that order to uh, get put in for that. And uh, cause I, I'd used, that's the rod I actually lost last year of Brian's down at yeah. uh, Dale Hollow. <laughs> so, yeah. and, <laughs> and that's another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I, my, anybody who's listened to the uh, our show has heard that story a lot. But, uh, <laughs> um, so, but I loved that rod so much last year that I told him this year when I broke the tip off my uh, Saint Croix that I would, I was going to replace it with that. And, um, you know, he's been busy with, you know, uh, everything that he's got going on too. Yeah. And so uh, I just have been fishing with it, and it's working okay. Um, but uh, I still, still hope to replace that with the, the the uh, Douglas one at some point, but like I said, so that was what I was throwing my Ned rig on. And, um, I use, uh, there's a, a local, uh, Ned head maker by me who does the, uh, the EWG Ned rig heads. 
So I was throwing an eighth ounce, uh, uh, actually, no, it was a 16th ounce Ned Rig head. Cause when the, if, it, if the flow gets a heavier, I'll throw a, a eighth ounce, um, just cause it gets me down a little easier. Sometimes the 16th ounce will just, you know, get blown away if the, if the flow is too fast, yeah. but, but it was, six, it was six, one, eight, six, eight, 10 pound test line. I usually use 10 and I, we, we had that conversation in the, in the paddle and fin host chat. And I think I was by far the heaviest line that people are when I said 10, but uh, I use Invisex 10 and don't have any problems with it. So um, for the most part, I, I do carry a couple of different lower lines. I carry some FC sniper in like seven that I bought for, uh, for drop shotting and a few other you know, like super finesse techniques that, if if I feel like the fish are being line shy, that's what I'll tie on. Right. But for the most part, I use Seaguar uh, and Visex, just ten pound. I have a big spool of it that's always in the the cubby in my in my kayak. So that's generally what I use for most of my leader material on my spinning rods, and gotcha. it seems to do okay. So, and um, the chatterbait rod I was throwing is a Mojo Glass. Um, it's a the green rod from Saint Croix, mm -hmm. and um, I initially had bought that rod for crankbaits because um, it's a medium um, and uh, medium action. So I went. I thought it would have like uh, the parabolic bend, like my. I have a. Uh, I had a casking uh, crankbait rod that I lost, and now I have a Shimano crankbait rod that I use for mainly for my crankbaits. But the the uh, Mojo gl uh, glass rod does not have that bend to it as much. It's yeah. It's, it's stiffer. Stiff. Than it's stiffer than I thought it would be, but it does work really, really well for jackhammers and and uh, crank or and uh, chatterbaits. I've I've found like it it doesn't it it doesn't have that bend as much, but I don't feel like I need that without it since it's not a treble hook bait. Right. And so um, that allows me to still throw my Shimano with crankbaits on it, and also still have something tied on or jackhammer tied on if I want to on that other rod. Um, so that was the rod I was throwing the the jackhammer on. I got you. So, so that's what I threw in practice. Now, um, when I went out on tournament day, um, I went out. Uh, I initially was throwing. I started at first thing in the morning throwing a whopper plopper while it was real early, just to see if any top water action would happen, and didn't didn't get a sniff on the. Uh, whopper plopper at all uh so i had that tied on i had um the net rig tied on i had on the jackhammer i initially or on the on the glass i initially had the whopper plopper tied on that but i um after that didn't work i i tied on the uh, jackhammer on that so and, so when you when you go out do you just carry two rods or do you have three or four or five i had seven, seven. seven. <laughs> i had okay. seven yep so i had i had um the the Nevrig rod i had a crankbait um on the shimano rod i had the whopper plopper initially on the glass rod um i switched that out quickly for the the jackhammer um i had uh if you ever watch jeff little he just did a show or a, an episode on he called it better than a jig it was uh it's a three eighths ounce bullet style head that has a, a band around it to it almost has like a jig skirt on it and then um, he puts a little bead in front of that. And then below that, just a very small flipping hook, like a one-aught or two-aught flipping hook. And then he puts uh, bat wings, um, a, uh, you know, uh, 
a Z-Man Batwings on the bottom of it, and um, and then he pegs it. Uh, there's a peg at the top uh, to keep it all together, and he calls it better than a jig. He said he, it's like a jig, and you work it like a jig. Um, but he it, he said it doesn't get hung up as much in the rocky um, stuff like the Susquehanna is, and um, so I had tied that on. I had never thrown it. I didn't have a. Um, I had the smaller bat wings for his for that presentation. You need the bigger bat wings. Um, the and I didn't have that, so I ended up throwing um, the mini uh, goats on there because it still it still had two tails on it. Didn't quite have the big flappers that the bat wings have, but I figured I'd give it a try. So I had that tied on. I did have a tube tied on right away because I have a an old six gill fishing rod that I always throw my tubes on, um, which is that's part of the story too. Later, uh, a little bit later when I actually got to throwing the tube. Um, and, uh, trying to think what else I had on those other two rods. I know I went out with five or uh, seven, so, uh, I'm just drawing a blank. Square both sp- not, well, that was what's on the, that was on my crankbait rod. Yep. So I, I had that on, oh, a swim bait. I had a swim bait on and that I have on, uh, had on a, um, a St. Croix legend. And what's the new St. Croix rod, that one that just came out last year? I can't remember uh, what that's called. Uh, I, I'm just stuck on the glass rods right now with those guys. Okay, okay. Well, and I, I had bought that one, and that the the not not quite a jig I had on that that new uh, St. Croix rod that came out last year. I just I'm drawing a blank on that series, but um, so but so basically, I I, I started with the crankbait uh, early on in the tournament because I usually where I put out of, I usually float down to my first spot, but I all hit every all around while I'm getting down there. I, I knew I had all day to get down to that spot. Um, I, a friend of mine had fished from his boat the night before and told me that the crankbait was working for him way down river. So that was kind of where my target area was. Um, but I knew it would take me probably at least the first two hours to float the whole way down there. If I did, you know, if I worked, you know, pick the part, you know, everything, wait, yeah, hit the, yep. So that's usually what I do. And, and so I decided to do that. Um, I, there was a guy who met me at the ramp and he, man, hightailed it out of there. He was going down river too. I don't know. Um, uh, there's a rocky section I think is where he went to. And I, you know, usually do okay there as well. Um, but, uh, he hightailed it down there and I told him, I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm not even gonna, um, launch early. I'm going to launch right when uh, at 6 a.m. You could you could be on the water at 5:30, but you couldn't wet your line till six. Right. And so a lot of people, you know, hit hit the water at 5:30 and just start you know heading to their first spot. But I I, I generally don't do that. I, I usually just launch at six and then you know work my way down because I always like to not skip over areas that might be holding fish just to and that sometimes helps me figure out where they are if you know. Then I then by the time I get down to the spot where I'm pretty sure that I know they will be, maybe I can start using those to you know call some of the littler ones. Yeah. Yep. So by the time you got down there, did you have your five fish? I did not. So I I because everything I was catching was tiny. Um, I started off the day with a bluegill on a Ned rig, and then <laughs> um, I caught probably I'd say five or six um, all. Uh, bass or smallmouth that were all uh, below 12 inches. Uh, they were like 
10, 11, just nothing would break that 12 inch mark. Um, so what color were you using the PB and J or what, what was your, uh, your, your uh, oh, my Nebrig, I use hot yeah. snakes. For, hot on snakes. The, on, yep. Hot snakes is my go-to color on the Susquehanna. Uh, at least the part that I fish, it seems to be out of all the colors I've tried. I mean, yoga pants sometimes works pretty good for me. Um, yeah. um, and PB and J mud minnow, um, all those do okay. But for some reason, hot snakes, and I actually throw, uh, the ticklers, the hot snakes ticklers, um, with the, just the okay. four little tiny little yeah, appendages little, on the end. Right. It's almost like a, a tube, uh, hybrid. So. Kind of. <clears throat> yep. So, um, I was, I, like I said, I caught all those bass. I made it partially down, uh, to the rocks where that other gentleman that launched with me was fishing. And I, I remember commenting to him that I'd caught a lot of dinks and he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't caught much of anything. Um, and that kind of surprised me because he went right to the rocks and usually the rocks, uh, the area that he's fishing is a good spot. Um, cause even though it's, it can be slow above and below it, just with the rocks there, the current kind of has to work through it. So it speeds it up a little bit. Plus it gets all that oxygenated water that the smallies. Throw. Right. Right. So right. usually that's a good, pretty good spot. And, um, so I was surprised when I didn't really get anything. I had one fish uh, that was pretty nice bite, but got off pretty quick. Um, I, I never got to see how big it was, but it probably would have at least been measurable for sure. Uh, while I was down in the rocks, I did catch a catfish on the Ned Rig, of all things. Mm -hmm. I thought, man, finally, here's the first fish. This one's going to be measurable. And then I was like, wait, wait, it's not coming up. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Um, I bet you it's a catfish and sure enough, it was probably like a 22 inch catfish. Uh, so got my line all snotty, you know, how they, you know, you get that <laughs> yeah. catfish yeah. snot up on your line, but, uh, got me excited anyway. And, uh, so then I, uh, I kind of, I was like, well, I'm down here at the rocks. It's probably another, you know, good 20 minutes of paddling straight down. If I went down to the area where the guy told me he was catching this crankbait fish. So I was like, well, you know what? I, I still got time. It, I think it was like 8, 8.30 by that point. So I'd been fishing for maybe two and a half hours. Still didn't have a fish on the board. And um, so I uh, uh, picked up the crankbait and I was like, I'm just going to work my way down there. Uh, right after the rocky section that um, I usually stop at, it gets a little bit deeper. It, it switches from like, you know, five, six foot average to, you know, 10 foot. And okay. so I usually don't like that section as much because um unless you tie on like a dt6 or dt10 you know you're not going to be cranking that as well but uh it was funny almost the first or second cast once i threw the crankbait 
um, I actually caught my first measurable fish, which was an 18, and it oh. hit it as soon as it hit the water, almost like a topwater bite. Right. So Casting out the crankbait, I didn't even get the bail or the the rod closed to uh, to start uh, winding it, and it was on. And yeah. So I was like, okay, well, 18 inch for my first fish wasn't bad. I was happy. Um, so then I worked my way floating down through that area, through the deeper area. Um, there is a spot where as you get closer to the shore, it does get more in the six to 10 foot range. So I was trying to keep over that way. Um, but I passed a few boats that were also in that area um, and definitely wasn't the same as that my buddy was describing. And he was telling me like uh, just running the, a square bill, he was even over because it, it was he was running the square bill in that same area but so it couldn't have been getting down more than six feet even though it's mm -hmm. 10 foot deep so they must have been at least somewhat suspended in that area right. when he was catching them i did manage to catch like uh, a 14 and a half and i think a 15 i uh, i threw the crankbait for a while but i was pulling up a ton of grass with that like almost every cast it was coming back with grass just floating it wasn't coming off the bottom it was just floating in the water all over the place i don't know if boats had churned it all up or what but um, so I switched a little bit when I finally got the whole way down to where I knew exactly where he was, I switched to that, not quite a jig and I did catch a 15 inch on that. So that, uh, was my third measurable fish. And, um, uh, let's see. So at that point I, I spent a lot of time. I probably spent from maybe, it probably took me till like nine to get down there and, uh, I probably spent a good two hours down in that section just crankbaiting around uh dragging that not quite a jig around just trying to to see where they were and i i i picked up uh a few fish um i think i had you know 12 and a half 13 so i got my limit um probably about by 10 o'clock i had my five fish so I, but i i didn't even look at the standings because i knew i you know all my fish were pretty little at that point except for the 18 and um I kind of guessed that that definitely wasn't going to be enough to to do well. So I once I was down there, I was like, wow, it's I would be it's going to be paddling upstream to get back up to where I launched. So I might as well get started and I'll just I kind of skipped over that deeper section and then fished the rocks a little heavier when I got back up there. And I, I, I think I picked up one or two more on uh, in the rocks there. But there I was still catching a ton of dinks for every like one measurable fish, I probably had to go through like 15, 20 dinks. Um, and hey, I so what was your total count for the day if you, if you was to guesstimate? Oh, if I looked at all my fish, because I do take a picture of every fish I catch just so I can go back and look. And when I went back and looked, I think I had 31, not counting the the Ned Rig and the uh, catfish or the uh, the bluegill rather. So right. that's a good so, day. It was, and it, I mean, they were, if I, if I, I bet you I could have caught 50 of those tiny ones if I would have stayed down in the rocks, just throwing the Ned Rig, because um, again, the, the river at that point is a mile wide, and so the rocks go pretty much the whole way across the river, so if I, you know, I, I usually only fish the first, uh, from my shoreline, the, the west shoreline, the west bank, I usually only fish the rocks out about, you know, a quarter of a mile before I turn around and start heading back up. And there's still another three quarters of a mile of rocks. So if I would have picked apart every one of those rocks, you know, there, they might've been a few, some big ones in there, but I just wasn't finding them there. Right. 
So <coughs> um, at that point, uh, I think um, I was like, I got to throw something bigger. I need something weedless because I was still pulling up grass with every crankbait I threw. And um, I threw the jackhammer some, but it wasn't the same area that I was catching them um, in practice because the flow just wasn't the same. And um, so it just wasn't, that wasn't really working for me. So I was like, I need something, I need to throw something that's weedless, that's still gonna flow naturally with the flow that is there. I definitely had to find flowing water because they weren't in anything that wasn't moving hardly. It had to be, have some flow to it. Um, and that's what I was like, you know what? I haven't thrown the tube much yet this morning. There's there's one creek mouth that I always have luck with the tube that I usually throw it. Um, but when I got down there, that was like one of the first places I stopped. It was like 6.15. And uh, there was a dude standing right on the point of that creek mouth, casting right across the, the creek channel. And I was like, ah, guess I'm not going in there. And I was like, what that, what that, what's that guy doing out here at 6 in the morning? You know? Yeah. But I, but he was pulling him in too. I saw him when I, as I went past, I saw him catch at least two. I don't, you know, I don't know how big they were, but I could tell it was still pretty dark. We, we did lines in at six and uh, sunrise was not till 6.30. So first light was probably right around 6.14. And uh, so I, could, I couldn't really see what he caught, but I knew I could hear the splashing and the, and the, uh, the commotion. So I knew he was catching something, but I also knew then I couldn't fish that creek now which was kind right. of a bummer, a bummer. but um, so that's usually where I threw the tube. So I, um, the tube was just hanging out on that rod in the back uh, on, on my, uh, on the back of my crate. And it wasn't until probably like 10, 30, 11, when I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta do something to start finding bigger fish because these dinks are killing me and they're not going to help me. So I, uh, I was like, you know what, I'll give the tube a try. Cause that, that'll flow kind of like the Ned rig flows. It'll naturally bump along the bottom, still let me cover a little bit of water, not like dead sticking something. Right. Uh, you know, I, I just don't do well with completely dead sticking something. I always feel like it has to be moving or or, or I'm just not covering enough water. And when the, the river is a mile wide, you almost got to cover some water, um, you know, just because there's so much water there. But uh, so I tied on the tube and almost immediately I started catching bigger fish. I, I, I got like another 14 and I, I started calling off those smaller ones at the bottom of my thing, uh, at the bottom of my, you know, my list. And uh, I, I caught a 14. I caught a 15. So then at that point, I had an 18, a 15, um, like two 14s and a 13, I think. And um, at that point, I was kind of working my way back upriver and um, still wasn't, I, I could, just couldn't quite get those um you know, the, the huge fish that I was really looking for. And I, I'd talked to a buddy in practice that, you know, caught two twenties, two eighteens, you know, crazy numbers of fish. And I, so I, I knew I had a pretty good feeling that, you know, what I had wasn't going to be great. So finally, I think it, it was probably one o'clock. So lines out was two and I, I worked my way back up the river to, I was just about where I put in at, at, at one o'clock and I kind of, caught up with another one of my buddies who was paddling right in that same area. I paddled it over to him and we were chatting and he's like, yeah, I, I, he would, I, he, I was like, I didn't even look at the scoreboard. He's like, well, I just looked and you're in, you're in seventh. Um, and, uh, I'm in, uh, I'm one spot below you. And I was like, okay. He's like, and I, you know, it's one o'clock usually, you know, they really shut off at that point. 
because you're kind of you know right in the middle of the sun's directly overhead and just sometimes gets to be tough fishing and and we were right back he's like i'm, I'm just gonna go paddle and and, and get out and because uh, he launched kind of the same place i did and uh so i uh i was like you know what maybe i'll just go out too i i was tournament directing and i knew i had to get back to the uh, i wanted to be at the the wards early so i can set up my tent and my table and all that fun stuff but i was like I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? I, I went down river all day and um, there's a spot just north of where I, I launched that last year where I caught my 20 inch, my biggest fish in that area. And I was like, I got a whole hour. It's probably about a 20 minute paddle up there. You know, that'll give me some time to fish that area and I can just finish out up there. You know, we'll see. Um, I went and looked and I was surprised the, the leaderboard really wasn't, you know, as crazy as I thought it would be. I thought for sure, you know, there would be people at least approaching 90. And, um, and I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm in sixth, you know, let's just see if I can go and, you know, at least try and get in the money. And uh, so I paddled up to that spot on my way up there. I caught another 14 and like three quarters or something that jumped me one spot, I think from seventh to sixth. And I was like, okay, you know, the, the tube's working up here too. And um, it took me um, probably until 140 to get up to the spot uh, that I caught that 20 inch last year. And first cast in that spot, 19 and three quarters. My, Gotta uh, love it. Oh, it was huge. And uh, I was so pumped. As soon as I felt it hit that tube, man, it took off running. I was like, oh, this is this got some size to it. And I was like, yeah, what if it's that 20 from last year still in that same area? Because I released it there, you know, and actually later that year, I took a buddy of mine up there and he caught a 21 out of that same exact spot. So it just holds big fish. And right. uh, and so I uh, I pulled it in, um, measured it. And I was like, oh, you know, 19 and three quarter. That's uh, I didn't even look at big bass at that point because I was like, somebody's got to have a 20, you know, I all the 20s kind of swimming around in that river uh it was still a big section of the river to fish so i didn't even look at that um and i was like oh well you know it's uh i did finally look at the standings and that that jumped me from six to first and uh so we probably had you know 15 minutes to fish at that point so i'm like well heck i'm in first i might as well just keep fishing and see if i can bump any of my other i think you know my lowest fish at that point was like 14 and a half, 14 and three quarters. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was like, if I can get one more, you know, that, you know, that might be good. Um, I ended up not catching anything bigger than a 14. I think I caught two more uh, in that 15 minutes, but they're both uh, 12 or, you know, smaller. And I was like, well, all right, well, uh, lines out set two. Um, when, you know, when lines out hit, I was winning, but we also have, uh, in our tournaments, we usually do from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. You can still submit of fish. Right. Yep. And a lot of people do that. I, I was kind of surprised. Even the area that I was fishing in the morning when I floated way down river, normally I have signal there. But I, when I tried to submit that first 18-inch fish, it's like, sorry, you don't have signal. You can't submit. And huh. I was like, well, I, I, so it was weird. But uh, I uh, ended up fishing or uh, submitting when I got a little further north. Uh, my signal came back. And uh so I was like, well, you know, there's enough places on this river that, you know, people might not have signal. Maybe then you have people that, you know, just sandbag and don't upload their fish until the very end anyway, which, you know, to each their own. It's, uh, I usually upload when I can. But uh, so I, I was really um, 
guessing that was not going to hold up. Uh, the, I, I, bas- I had 81, 81 and change, I think. And um, the next closest person was like half an inch, three quarters of an inch behind me for second place. So I was like, you know, any one of those guys, if they get, if anybody picked up a kicker, um, first through fifth could have passed me. But right. um, so I just uh, like you did, just like when you yeah, picked up that fish, yeah. you I, I had told uh, quite a few guys that said, you know, hey, were you sandbagging? I was like, absolutely not. I, I said, I caught that big one with 20, 20 minutes to go and uh, uploaded it as soon as I had it. Cause they're like, yeah, I, I looked and you know, you weren't even in the top five. And I was like, I know uh, I jumped, you know, from sixth to first just with that one fish. And uh, so I, I got off the water, um, uh, helped another gentleman get his kayak loaded up. And I was like, well, I got to go ahead to the wards and set up my table and everything. And uh, got down there, set everything up. It was like two forty-five. I looked and my, I was still in the lead and, three o'clock came and went and that was all she wrote. I, I, nobody, uh, I was the only one that found that big kicker that also got me big bass for the tournament. There was one other uh, guy who did catch a 19 and three quarters as well, but he did not pay big bass. So I got to keep big bass all to myself. I would have been happy to split that with him. And, uh, but, uh, I was like, man, that's that. If I could offer any advice to tournament anglers, as long as it's not crazy, pay big bass. Cause you never know. Yeah. It, uh, I had, I'd come close last year, um, in, at our Juniata event, I caught my biggest, my PB smallie at 21 inch. And I thought for sure that day that I had big bass and actually the, the guy who ran our tournaments last year, uh, Mike Reinhold, uh, pulled in right behind me. And I was like, Hey, I got big bass. I think he's like, Nope, 21 and a half. I was like, Oh, come on. I don't think I saw a 21 and anything over 21 all year in all of our tournaments. And the one day I catch a 21, he caught a 21 and a half, but uh, yeah. I was still, still psyched about that. Cause I, that was a, that 21 inch smallie still my PB. Um, even, yeah, I, I don't have my, my biggest large mouth is only 20 and a half. So. Um, I know I that was, feeling, man. I, I know that feeling. I had that kind of day this, this June in a tournament here in West Virginia. I got a 19, five small mouth out of uh, the Taggart River. It's just about an hour, hour and a half south of the Pennsylvania line. And my buddy, who was a turnip director like you, was fishing the lake. And the lake is infamous for being a pleasure lake. It's got, it holds nice fish, but you get run over by the boats after like 9 a.m. When he was out and he was grading fish while he was out fishing, and he just threw a Senko out and let it float to the bottom. He said it was probably out there five to ten minutes. And he was grading fish, and, he, and his, line, his his pole went. And then it dove, and he's like, he grabbed it. He said uh, it was already gone, and he reeled it in. It was a 20-and-a-half-inch smallmouth. And I'm like, well, thanks. But he was gracious winter. He took me out to, to dinner <laughs> afterwards, and uh, at least so I, I didn't have to pay for dinner he uses big bass money <laughs> nice nice well, I, and that that the very first tournament this year um i didn't realize that we you know they said that i didn't have to grade fish on the water so that that first tournament i was doing the same thing and uh um i actually you know did okay i think i finished seventh in that tournament even with uh 
you know, great. That's their great pitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, eventually, uh, the next, all the other tournaments this year, they actually, we have a, a gal who was grading for us offsite. Like, so I didn't even have to worry about that for the last couple uh, tournaments. So that was, I'm super thankful for her and uh, she did a great job. So um, that took a, a load off my plate when, when she said that she would do that for us. So. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of the story, and um, you know, I'll I'll take it as my my first official win. So. Outstanding. So the Bass Fishing for Noobs host is a tournament winner. Correct. Yep. So and uh, now, I mean, uh, you know, I I'm kind of curious. Had I been able to fish, uh, that that was our fourth event. We have our last, our fifth and final event uh, next Saturday. Um, joint event on that same stretch of river where I caught the 21 and a half last year. So I'm excited for that, but I, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, I end up with my, with my mom passing away, I missed um, two of our tournaments that, and I'm like, man, I, if, if I would have fished those, I could have a shot at AOI because uh, our AOI is really close because, um, you know, we've had almost a different winner every week. And um, like, I know AOI just flip-flopped with this last tournament too um so it, it just i'm curious now if i had uh if i had fished those other two events where i would be in those standings but you never know i mean i i've certainly had my fair share of much lower placings in tournaments so there's no guarantee but i mean it, it gets me excited for you know just the you know i fish only fished in this trail series the last two years so um well you get uh, to throw gets, away you get to throw away one tournament right Correct. Your best yep. four out of five or five out of six. Yep. Yep. And and normally I try and fish every event. Um, right. Um, but uh, especially now that I'm directing because I have to be there anyway. So uh, for the most part, I, I try and fish it now. Like this year with my mom passing away, that definitely was a little bit of an extenuating circumstance. Um, I still did the captain's meetings and stuff, but I I did miss our second and third events of the year. So. Um, at Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what, uh, how it ends and then also to see, you know, how next year goes. Cause it, I mean, I've, I've improved so much this year over last year. And, uh, so hopefully the only way to go is up and I keep improving and we'll see how it goes. Well, well, that's one thing that we always can do is we can take a look at what we've done from year to year and set goals for where you want to be at next year, whether it's yep. finishing in the top 15% of your club or uh, top 15 at every event with a, you know, 50, 50 anglers. It's, you always can set goals. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, 
I always, I usually try and set a couple different goals every year. And, uh, you know, I, I'll pick a technique or two that I really want to, you know, stick to and learn. And, um, you know, but tournament wise, I never really, you know, took it super seriously. I more went out for the camaraderie and everything yeah, uh, like that. But, you know, uh, it's funny. I was just having that conversation yesterday. So somebody had reached out and said, Hey, congrats on the win. You know, you know, good guys don't always finish last. And I, it made me laugh. And I was like, I told him, I was like, I don't mind the last place finishes. Cause I, you know, I go out more for the fun of it than anything, but I got to say, it is nice to, to walk away with a win. So, uh, every once in a while, uh, I'll, I'll take it if that's how it, how it plays out. So, well, I, I, I agree with your, your concept and what, and the way you feel about what you're doing when you go out, because, if you go out with that mindset that just being out with friends and people that love the sport like you, then it is a win. Um, and then if you do actually do well and maybe collect a check or some hardware or a, or a nice big bass prize, um, then it's just icing on the cake. Oh, absolutely. And um, I think that's that's the biggest thing. I. Um, I don't have that competitive streak in me. Um, and some guys do. And, and man, you know, I think if, if I had that, I would get so strung out at tournaments, just worrying about, that's why usually I don't even look at the standings until late, late in the day. And more of a, more of it, it's just more looking to see how my friends are doing, you know, right. or to see how the judge is doing, you know, make sure that, you know, all the fish are getting judged correctly and everything. Uh, it's rarely to see, you know, where I'm at, you know, but uh, that's just the way I, I go at it because, uh, again, it's it's that's just not my what drives me to com to compete in these. It's it's more it's for me, it's a, it's learning new waters. It forces me to to fish away from my comfort zone. And as um, our, you know, the Susquehanna is such a huge river and we have tournaments that are two, two and a half hours away from where I fish. And if it wouldn't be for fishing in those tournaments, I would never make that drive when I can drive yeah. 15 minutes and fish the water right by my house. But it is, the Susquehanna is such a, a huge river and it's a different river, all those places. Like there's places north of Harrisburg, uh, an hour and a half north of me where the ledges run perpendicular or parallel to the river. They run down river, whereas the ledges by me run perpendicular. So it's right. It fish, it fish is completely different. And then there's the spots where they, you know, the, it's almost more of a lake south of me. There's, they call it Lake Clark. It's still the Susquehanna river, but it's 15, 20 feet deep. And that's, I usually don't fish that area because a it's boat traffic because the boats don't have to worry about the rocks and stuff down there. So it's jet skis and people towing skiers and all sorts of boat traffic. Plus it's deeper and I, you know, deeping or offshore stuff isn't my specialty at all. I, I do better when I know where the bottom is and can feel it with some regularity. But, uh, but that's not to say, you know, that's just how the Susquehanna is. There's so many different places you can fish that fish completely different from other places. So it gets me, you know, that uh, competing in this tournament series just gets me to visit those different places that normally I wouldn't try to. And then uh, we have a few lakes and stuff too, that we do as part of that tournament series. So. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 years ago, I used to make my trips up to Pennsylvania and fish pine tuning over on the Ohio border with Kappa. And uh, 
they had the battle of the border with West Virginia, yep. Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Now yep. we'll do it for those. Great time, great events. Um, haven't been to the past, haven't been up to one in about four or five years. Uh, but uh, I do make my trips up there when I go up to Lake Erie for a week during the Memorial weekend. Gotcha. I do run hey. into your uh, West Virginia guys every once in a while. I, I first met Tim Isaacs at my local tackle shop uh, last yep. year. He was up to fish the Hobie event that I fished. And um, I, I ran into him at our local tackle shop and didn't even realize he was an out of state guy until I saw him last year at the, uh, at the paddle and fin thing at Dale hollow. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah I'm a West Virginia guy. I was like, Oh wow. I thought you were a local. Cause I saw him hey. at my local <coughs> shop and he's like, no, no. Yeah. Tim lives about 20 minutes from me. Gotcha. So he's, just, okay. he's right down the road. Cool. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he I, I'll say he'll be up. I wouldn't surprise me one bit if he's not up there in, in first week of October. I know yeah. some of the guys here from West Virginia have been hitting me up real hard. They've already got a house rented for the bass tournament there on the Susquehanna. And uh, they're like, hey, $161, man. It's all we need from you. Come on, let's go. And I'm <laughs> like, man, I'm tempted, but I don't, I, right now I have to say no. So. But uh, I know Jody Queen will be up there. Um, yeah. He, he had plans. So you'll have uh, a couple guys, Jerry Spradlin, um, Kyle Struther, uh, guys over toward the, the eastern part of West or western part of West Virginia, making that six-hour drive up that way. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then I know, yeah, Jody usually doesn't skip a Susquehanna event. I was almost tempted to try it this year. Because uh, I did, you know, do uh, competed in the Hobie last year. I did terrible. I think I was like 150th out of 180. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is my home river. I should do better than that. But uh, I also fished places I didn't know. So right. um, it was a learning experience for me, too. But it was cool just to say I fished with, you know, some of those names. And I got to meet a ton of people. It was worth it almost for the networking just to. Yeah. To uh, just, you know, saying, hey, Sean from Paddle and Finn, you know, I've interviewed before. Oh, yeah. You know, and and get to, you know, meet people that I've talked to, you know, doing this podcast in person uh, was very cool. So that was almost worth the price of admission alone. Plus, just to say, hey, yeah, I competed in a, a Hobie BOS. And, uh, and, you know, honestly, it's good for us to get out like that because people need to realize that, you know, we put our money where our mouth is. We're not just people that like to talk about fishing. We fish. We get out and fish. And it's yeah. great that, you know, you have uh, Susie up there smacking the, the folks around up in Wisconsin and Illinois winning money. And, uh, you know, Brian's out all the time. you got Jay out in Tennessee. Um, look at what Dustin's doing. Dustin, I was just going to say. My Dustin, gosh. Man. Oh, my he's goodness. <laughs> he's killing it with the redfish and, and even doing well when he fishes bass tournaments. So I know that's he's he's a double threat, man. He, yes, he is. We've he got is great. We've got great people here in, in, with this network who are uh, who are fishermen, and you know it's really proud to be a part of this group and work with you guys. So. Well, yeah, it's awesome having you, and I, I, you're right. I think it just shows our passion for you know what we talk about, and it's that genuineness that draws people i think you know they yeah they can tell and uh relate they can relate yeah, absolutely and if 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 it, if seeing someone like me who still considers himself a noob to some aspect you know um 
that I can jump in and try a Hobie BOS. If that gets somebody else to say, Hey, if he can do it, I can definitely do it. You know, that's oh, yeah. more power to them, you know, and that makes me happy that, you know, somebody can follow in my footsteps and, you know, probably hopefully do better than I did. But so. Hey, one thing about this show is that it provides so much insight that if somebody sits down and watches you and Susie weekly, they're going to learn stuff that they can throw in their tackle box, this tackle box, and, and apply it when the time comes. I mean, that's what that's one of the great things about uh, fishing content is that you can absorb what you want to take with you, what you think might work with your style and your technique, but and, and everything else you can you can pitch it out. Say, well, I don't. That's not my style. I'm not going to use it. You know, but it's still there. It's still there, and you still have access to it. You still know it. And if you're in a situation where, like me, I hate fishing deep water. And I live okay. right here next to the deepest lake in West Virginia. <laughs> you know, I, I can walk down from the, my house here uh, in three minutes and be on Summersville Lake. And, uh, you know, you, you, you've got water that goes 400 feet deep. Wow. Most of your, most of your fishing is between 20 and 40 feet in the summertime you know okay um so i i'm terrible at it terrible so i want what you have up there lake erie what you have at the susquehanna and why that's why i go to the new river a lot i want that between five to eight feet ledges swift water moving water uh, where i can throw that ned rig throw that that uh Three at, at, at square build I love throw. I got a golden square build that I just throw all year round, and uh, and use that those type of techniques. Catch fish? Yeah, I do. I might not catch big fish, but I'll I catch a lot of fish. Yep, yep. And I hear you. And then that I mean that's the reason I started doing this show in the first place. I when Ryan started the best fishing for noobs, I I, I had hopped on almost right away. Um, and, and started following him and I probably listened for three quarters of a year uh, to him do the show by himself before I reached out and I was like hey you know most of the other shows on Paddle and Finn have a co-host and you know yours is one of the few that don't have you ever thought about it? and he's like I actually was just thinking about it and you know if you'd like to come on I'll you know let's talk about it and I'll let you talk to Brian and you know the rest is history um, I looked back the other day and I think I'm at at least a hundred shows recorded and you know if you most of our shows are an hour so yeah I, I look back at the amount of information that i've been given uh just doing this show um talking to the best people in our industry you know the people who cash big checks with regularity like russ snyders and jody queen and all these huge names and you can't help but pick up something and i know it's made me a better angler so right. um, my only hope is that, you know, the listeners uh, who tune in, you know, that same thing is happening to them. And uh, I love hearing the stories from people who tell me, you know, oh, you know, I listened to that show and um, I remembered what Russ said and I went out and tried it. And sure enough, I, I caught a PB or, you know, it helped me, you know, finally cash a check in, my, in our local trail series. So that, that's what uh, keeps me coming back and doing this week in and week out. And, you know, 100 plus shows in, that's. That's why, you know, we do what we do. That's awesome, man. That's a, that's a lot of shows, you know. People yeah. think, you know, you're, that's, that's, 
you figure you do between 35 and 50 shows a year, you know? Um, yeah. Well, so, and then, yeah. So like, if, if you just think about the amount of information that's available from paddle and fin alone, I mean, in our, what, five plus years, um, how many different yeah. shows uh, that you could listen to from start to finish to all our shows. And it would probably take you a year to get through. If you listen back to back to all of our information and the amount of information that we put out on different things, it's, it's kind of mind boggling at this point, you know, when are we at? Like, uh, we're at like 260 now, aren't we for the year? Yeah. Somewhere in the mid, the mid twos. Um, you know, we, when we were down at ICAST looking pass out information, you know, we, we were like, if somebody comes on with us, you know, when you do a year worth of sponsorship, we pretty much promise them 300 shows. You know, that's, that's, that, that's, that's probably a low. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's impressive. And that, that's not on top of, you know, we take that Christmas break off from like December 10th to January 5th or whatever. So right. a, a show a day that we do with our, our 10 hosts, 11 hosts that we have, the, the 12 shows that we produce. Um, granted, not every show comes up every day or every every week. You know, your show's pretty regular. My show's regular. We got uh, you know, Brian's the OG show. But uh, some of the other shows, you know, they may be sporadic, but they're there. And they, they get out and they put out great content. Really looking forward, man, to to what we're doing, what we, we've got coming up, because I think that our viewers out there will see that the Paddle and Pen Podcast Network is is expanding, it's growing, and it's going to be season seven. It's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> That's, it seems like crazy when you think of anything that lasts that that long anymore, you know. But that, that just tells you that you know what what we put into it, and that there's a heart for it behind it, and you know. Uh, folks come and go and we wish them all the best and um but you know you know we we've kept at it and you know it, it's not always easy i don't know about you but there's there's definitely weeks where i'm like oh man i gotta record again and uh but then what happens is just like tonight i'll come on and have an awesome conversation and i'm like man what the heck was i dreading this for you know this is amazing well i i know i know exactly what you mean because I, I do my shows on tuesdays and, you know, like it's Sunday now, and I haven't even given any thought of what I'm going to do on Tuesday. Um, and I'm like, well, I got to start sitting down and just think of something. And I keep thinking about doing something for fall fishing because we're coming up on the end of summer. And, you know, and we were talking about it pre-show uh, that, you know, so there, I'm going to do a little research. And that's probably what I'll touch on Tuesday night. Um, as soon as, uh, and, and I'll start doing my shows live again here real soon because, where I'm down here in this bowl with mountains and trees around me, I can't get good signal until the leaves fall off the tree. Right, so, right. And, and Didn't I, you said like, you were doing that at a bar or something. I was. I, I, you know, now that I've got my man cave all set up down here, I'm like, that looks I, nice. Yeah. I've got it all. I've got, well, it needs really finished up and, and organized, but uh, you can't see on the other side of the monitors here with all my tools. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I did pack up the, the laptop and I go up top of the hill to the bar with my hotspot. And now that I, you know, it, it's just so much nicer not have to travel around and do that when you can do it here. And now that I've switched software packages, 
I'm I'm streaming with you guys here on on uh, Streamyard. Streamyard. Uh, yep. it, it it helps too because I've uploaded everything. I've got all my videos just like our intro that we do and stuff up there where i can just kick it and go it does make it a lot easier yeah so but yeah i so, i know exactly what you're saying so no and i appreciate you inviting me it's too bad that randy had to take off on us this evening i'd love to be able to pick his brain yeah because know. he's i don't think he's been on the new show yet so we usually try and have all the new hosts on at least once uh, when they first come on and i i'll have to reach out or extend another invitation to him because i don't think yeah, he's I, been on our show yet you should pin him up for next weekend since he bailed on us. No <laughs> excuse, Randy. If you're listening, no. yeah, we'll get you. No we'll get excuse. You. I actually, no I, excuse. I, I think I have a, a guide on the Susquehanna lined up for next week. So uh, for Beautiful. anybody who's listening, I, um, I I talked to him a ton. He just um, had uh, he was actually hosting Josh Shrenko from the Smalley Talk podcast this this week. Uh, so he was him and his dad uh, came back to Pennsylvania to fish the Susquehanna. And so uh, the guy I'm going to interview was taking them out. So uh, uh, that's why he couldn't come on this weekend, but he said next yeah, week he should be good. So you, you might want to stick a, get your uh, ad design to put up for next weekend, next week's show and post it on the bass page. Cause all them guys coming up for the end. Of oh the yeah. You'll have yeah. Uh, 35 <laughs> or 40 viewers watching that show. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I will have to do that. So, Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Decova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Um, well, yeah, well, I'll get him lined up. So guys tune in for that next week. Look forward to that. Um, should be a, a good show. Uh, this guy is just this year completed Smalley games twice. So Holy that just tells you the amount of small mouse big smallmouth that he catches uh so for a, yeah you might tell people what that is because there may be some viewers out there that might not know what ashton does for that gotcha yeah so uh basically what smally games is and i didn't do it this year um i did it last year and uh it's a game that smally talk podcast puts on josh Franco, um uh the guy who runs smally talk and a chegan um brand um they do a, a kind of like a board it's almost like a board game and um you when you catch a uh, fish, I think this year it's 16 inches or bigger. Um, 
it counts as a game piece on that board and you're basically competing or completing this board that uh you know from start to finish you there's different spots for different sizes and this What's year the they company also, name again how did you a pronounce Chigan. that a, a Chigan. Okay. yeah um it's a Chigan brand they run it um i think if you i'm trying to think of what the website is i'll put it in the show notes um, for any folks who are interested but um, you collect those game pieces as you catch fish, you uh, submit it to that website and you, you buy like a little sticker. Like last year, I, I love the stickers more than anything, actually. You know, yeah. I, I I actually taped them to my board so that I could have them and remove them because the stickers are really cool. Um, but uh, to complete the, the, the game just once takes a, quite a few. You can compete it with all... Well, actually, I don't know that you can this year. Last year, you could complete it all with 16-inch fish if you wanted to. But this year, I think there's special spots. Yeah, yeah for... you had to have 18s, 19s, and 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So And 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 they also did Smalley Snacks this year, which is a, a board piece where you have to catch it on a certain bait. Like they, they had a oh, rat. Wow. They had a rat Smalley Snack where you had to catch it on a rat. They had an <laughs> insect. It had to be some kind of insect lure um i'm so there was they they changed it up a little bit this year and made it interesting and i'm kind of glad i didn't have to do that because um i've never caught a fish on a rat and i've thrown it about a billion times so um, i i have but not but not a small mouth you know i mean i've caught some large mouth with it and i I actually think yeah you've got me really i'm gonna have to look that up for next year i'm gonna i'm gonna really we don't have the size of small mouth like you guys do, but I do know I'll be either at St. Clair or back at Lake Erie next year for a week, and I'll bury that board up if I can. <laughs> well, I know uh, that's one thing I'm, I'm still bummed about, and, well, I, I have time yet, but um, I haven't caught a 20-inch either largey or smallie this year. Um, and the last three years, I have caught a, a at least a 20-inch or bigger smallmouth or largemouth, and this year I haven't found my 20-inch. Yeah, I was close just yet or on Saturday with the 19 and three quarter. But um, here in Pennsylvania, you can you can submit that and get like a citation. I have a couple yeah. of mine on the back wall there. They, um, they, they give you a cool little patch and a, a, a like a, a they, uh, just a cool paper that says, you know, your a certificate you know, of achievement. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, I've been that was that is one of the goals that I have every year now is to catch at least one 20 inch fish. And I have not found my 20 inch fish this year now um, last year i did uh it was a little bit later in the fall when i caught uh the 21 and a half so um there's still hope but uh i i don't like to be cutting it this close so well i i did achieve my personal best this year but i have no proof other than a oh, video yeah. uh oh you know what i did see that and that cost me fourteen hundred dollars uh I remember seeing that and oh man, and and, and I, it made me think of that 21 and a half because I have a picture of it on the board so the you know, I can I have proof, but I have no trophy shot because as I was holding it up, um, I had it gripped by the lip. Of, I was I was like so amped up and shaking so bad. He shook twice and I dropped him before I could get the trophy shot. And uh, uh, I was like, well, I guess, you know, the one on the board is going to have to do it. Yeah, um, it would have been cool to get a picture holding that one, but uh, unfortunately, I don't know if uh, I was just so amped up and it, he gave two good shakes and was gone. So, 
uh, I, I, I'm still, still eats at me that I lost my phone in the water and I didn't lose it. It was sprinkling and I stuck my phone down in my uh, jacket pocket. And then as I started paddling out, I must have bumped it right out into the water. As soon as I get out of the grass to get out there, I'm like, I got to look at my pictures. And it was gone. I'm like, oh, man. But luckily for me, as you used to, as I used to do, now I've got my Insta360 that I take everywhere with me. But uh, I used to take my old iPhone and put it on my boat and I record all my stuff. And I got that whole fish from cast to catch to end the boat to drop to going to the shore because I'm like, no, I'm not. I want to try to measure this thing out in the middle of the water. I'm going to the bank. Mm-hmm. And when I was at the bank, I was in grass. You know, the big grass mat, about yep. two and a half, three feet of water. So I actually, that's one of the things I'm going to do here in November, December, before it gets really, really cold. I'm going to go back out there and see if I can locate that phone after the grass dies off. Well, yeah, that it, it, it's quite possible it's still recoverable, like the, the pictures and stuff. Well, I didn't, I didn't have a cover on it. But okay. what I will do is I'll, I'll send it off somewhere and see if somebody can take the little hard drive out and yep. put it in another phone or put it on the SD drive or something. Yeah, so, you never know. It'd be worth it yeah. to at least have that picture. So, Hey, I appreciate you having me on tonight, bro. Yeah, I, again, thanks for uh, saving me. Um, I, again, running into, you know, Sunday night and I'm recording, but, you know, uh, I'm happy to have you on and, and great uh, catching up with you. Um, guys, uh, make sure you uh, tune in to the Rusty Hook podcast here on Pal and Finn. Um, Tuesday nights, John uh, puts yep. on a great show. Um, Thank has you. tons of guests and uh, tons of good guests. And uh, yeah, so tune in and check him out. We'll put the um, links to John's stuff in the show notes as well. And uh, so make sure you tune in and check him out. And um, anything else you want to add, John? Any sponsors no, or anything like that? No, I appreciate it. It's a great show. Cool, man. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fan. One thing, one last thing. Congratulations Perfect. again on your first win. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, definitely going to be riding that high for a little bit. So, all right, let's see if I can get through this now without stuttering. Thank you guys <laughs> for tuning in to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night. Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment. 
want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.